something special about hearing someone you love very much play a piano. Thank you. Before I get into the sermon, I just want to say thanks to all the moms. You know, my mom is a special person. I'm very fortunate. She's still in my life. I'm going to go visit my mama today. I'm going to go eat with my other favorite mother, Julie. And she's made me a better person by the way she mothers her children. When we did our wedding vows, um, I specifically mentioned in them that her love for her children was something that really drew me to her. She's like many other mothers. They would go to the grave for their children, right? I remember my mother is a special woman, and I get a lot of my tenacity from her, a little bit of my temper from her too, which is a good thing, I guess. She, uh, when I was a senior in high school, 17 years old and had a rough football game. We honestly had lost the game on a play that I had botched. And I was pretty upset about it. Had girl problems, and I couldn't decide if I wanted to go to medical school or what I wanted to do or, you know, how it is. It's a stressful time. And I remember sitting on my bed, just crying, and my mom was right there with me. 17-year-old kid, you know? When you're on the football field and you're with your buddies, you're tough, but moms know how you really are. And that's what we can do with our moms, we can cry. And to this day, I can tell my mother anything. And she's right there by my side, all right? Moms can be awful honorary sometimes too, though. See, I had a curfew too when I was in high school and I like to break that curfew. And I come in one night after midnight, and I'm not gonna tell you how late it was, but I thought I was being smart. And I would sneak in, we lived in a bi-level in Canton, Illinois. And so when I came in, I, I just went down the stairs into my own bedroom, and Mom and Dad had a bedroom upstairs, and I thought I would just quickly sneak in, and no harm, no foul. And I got one step in the door, and there's a light switch at the top of the stairs, and it went on. And my mom is standing there in her pajamas and her robe, and all she says to me was, we'll talk about this in the morning. Click, took the light off. I, I don't think I slept a wink that night. So there's a respect that we have for you mothers, so thank you again. All right, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the letter of James. The letter of James will continue our series. A journey through James. And I really enjoyed studying this with you all, and uh, I hope you have too. We're going through it a little bit slower than I anticipated, but that's Okay. Um, we'll just see where the Spirit leads. So I'm going to start in James chapter 1, verse 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen. Oh, what a wonderful passage of scripture there. We have been talking about testing of your faith and to count it all joy is how we started things off a couple of Sundays ago as we go through trials and tribulations. And again, I will repeat, it doesn't mean we have to be tickled pink or excited about some situation we're going through, but to understand that God is sovereign and that on the other side of whatever it is you're going through, God has got your back. God is there for you no matter what it is that you're going through no matter what it is that you're going to go through, and no matter what it is you have gone through, he will give you enough to get through and over the mountain. He may not take the mountain out of the way, but he'll give you the power to get over it and come out on the other side in one piece. And it can be difficult at times. As we drop down into verse 9, we talked about uh, the rich and the poor, and I think... I was fairly convincing, and the Spirit was fairly convincing that we all are rich in terms of our attitude sometimes towards God, and that is, I have so much that I don't need God. And we need to be aware that we're in a society where there's a lot of things that entice us, a lot of things that pull us away from God. And we all struggle with that, right? but to recognize that we need to put God first. I mean, when's the last time, honestly, you ask God for his permission to do anything? I'm going to buy this, but I, I really want it. I'm not going to talk to God about it. I want to do this. I want to have this relationship. I want to have that job. I want to think this way. And we do it based on, you know, I've got this. Hey, you know, uh, God wants to be involved in that too. He'll let you... He'll let you make your own decisions because we have free will. But there are rewards and consequences too to some of those decisions, right? God loves you and a good loving mother and a good loving father, they protect their children and sometimes we let them make mistakes. Sometimes it doesn't feel like love when we're on this end. But I want you to understand something, that whatever it is you're going through or dealing with, God will use it for your good and for your benefit. So I want to talk today about trials and temptations. Trials and temptations. It's interesting that if, if you look at the word tribulation, we use the word tribulation sometimes in your, your translations to talk about a trial you may be going through. The Greek for tribulation actually means to crush. To crush. It's actually meant to be a, a sheer physical pressure on a person. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you go through your tribulation. I'm not talking about end times now. I'm talking about the little tribulations that we go through now. That maybe you're going through now. The pressure that you're feeling perhaps now. And it literally means to crush. If you go to the, the English word, which comes from the Latin, you don't, you don't need to write this down, but the English word which comes from the Latin is actually a, a word that is called tribulum. A tribulum uh, is where the word tribulation comes from. Okay, So a tribulum is actually a, a, was a roller used by the Romans 
for processing wheat. And what it was, was like, if you can imagine behind your tractor, you have this giant tiller, only this was just a great big piece of wood or stone, and underneath this, the uh, side that faces the ground were little uh, indentations, and in the indentations, they would insert pieces of flint rock, very sharp pieces of charred uh, flint, and they would literally pull that over with the livestock, they pull it over the wheat to crush it, and that's how they process the wheat. So you've heard of shredded wheat, right? That's where that comes from, shredded the wheat. So sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through situations, I feel like that I'm just being just shredded almost, right? It's almost like, is this ever going to end, right? Is this going to end? And it's, it's meant in the context of the letter of James to explain to you there are some painful things we go through. I've seen a, a testimony this week that somebody gave and said, you know, when he became a Christian, he said he was always fascinated by the testimonies that other Christians would give. He was a, he was a new Christian. And he would always be fascinated with the testimonies that would end with, and God blessed me and I never had any problems after I gave my life to Christ. Because he thought to himself, well, that's not me. And I'm going to tell you, that's not me either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because as soon as I gave my life to Christ, it seemed like that's when a lot of my trials started. <laughs> that's when the, the evil one of this world chose to shoot, shoot the fiery darts at me, right? We have to put on the full armor of God, which one of these days we'll get to that. The belt of righteousness, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the, the shield, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. So, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Huh. There's a difference between a trial and a temptation. So you think of a trial as a tribulation or a, an issue or something that's outside of your control. So here's the difference. Are you ready? Testing and temptation. A test is given by a teacher. Julie just took a test this morning. The purpose of the test is to advance you into the next class. Right? The purpose of a test is to see you pass. The purpose of a test is to see you be successful. So a test is always going to be for your benefit to help you, to make you better, to make you whole, to complete you, to promote you, to glorify you, to honor you, to, and all of us to honor and glorify God, but to move you up the ladder. That's what a test is for. No teacher gives a test to her students and says, I want them all to flunk. Now, I felt like I had some professors like that that just wanted me to flunk, but no, they were trying to make sure we understood, given the resources that we were given and the things that we were taught, that we could put them into application, right? So the older I get and the more I uh, have been, uh, my foundation is in Christ, the tests get a little bit harder. Just like college, as you go up, there's different level classes, 200 level, 300 level, 400. They go all the way up to Caleb's like at 1700 level. And they get really hard. 
but it's based upon your ability, your measure of faith, what you have been given, and God says, I want you to now use that. And it can be awfully hard, right? More so in my life, I know there's some people that they almost have like a direct line to God. Like they're just ask God for something and he texts them back and says, this is what you need to do. And he's, that's not much of a test, right? Well, for me, it's like I ask God something and then I have to wait. And then I wait a little longer. And I wait a little longer. And I'm, God, are you, are you in this? So what that is, is this. God has, uh, you've done so well in your life in responding to those tests to those trials. For me, God has said to me, now, uh, I'm going to let you make some decisions on your own. You don't need to come to me for every little thing. I trust you, son. That's a, a glorious place to be. Now, that being said, as soon as I step out of line or make a mistake, you bet your dad's going to be there to correct me, right? But he gives us a little more rope the more mature we become. He gives us a little more rope to hang ourselves, so to speak. And, and he says, hey, I tried, you've done well. You've done well up to this point. Now I'm going to let you run for a while, like we do with our dogs in the yard, right? It's like, okay, you've done well on the leash. I'm going to give you a little longer leash. And I'm going to take you off the leash. And if you go outside the bound, I'm going to put you back on the leash. <laughs> so testing comes with the purpose of your promotion, comes with the purpose of your success, and to see you do well. A temptation is a whole other game. A temptation is something that oftentimes is internal. Starts here. A temptation is meant not to see your success, but to see your failure. That's how you know, is it from God or is it from Satan? Stop for a moment and think about that. When you're going through something, you're not sure, is this from God or is this from the world? Is this from Satan? Ask yourself, is it for my benefit or for my failure? It's real easy. If it's not for your benefit or for the benefit of the kingdom, it is a temptation. So let me ask you something. So you get a result back from the doctor that's not favorable. Is that a test or a temptation on your response on how you handle that. Remember, it's external. Okay? It's a test. It's not, from, it's not from Satan. God is testing you how you respond to that. Now I'm giving that as an external example. So let's say um you see uh, something in the store that you know you shouldn't buy, but you really feel like maybe if I buy it, nah, no one's going to know. Is that a test or is that a temptation? Is God testing you to see if you're going to buy something you shouldn't buy or do something you shouldn't do? Well, of course not. That's a temptation. That's of Satan. I got ahead of myself just a little bit because God tells us himself what the difference is. He says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for he, when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. I'll go back to that in a minute. 
In verse 13, it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Listen, God does not tempt you. God does not tempt you. God is love by the nature of who he is. He's not going to try to cause you to sin. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. So don't blame God when you make a silly decision and you fall into sin. That's, that is not God. What is it? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now listen to this, verse 14. But each person is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by what? His or her own desire. So a temptation always is self-fulfilling, comes from within. Think about that for a minute. You and I know, okay, if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're a born-again Christian, if you know God himself, if you have any level of maturity at all as a Christian, you know when you're being tempted. And we become so good in this society that we have justified the temptation as just a trial or a test, and we've mistaken where it's come from. That must be from God. No, 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 no. Uh, just because something is legal doesn't mean that it's right morally. Okay? The majority is not always right. So we have successfully in this world, particularly in Western America, turned a lot of temptations into a legal argument to say it's okay. When in reality, it's, it's actually something of this world is something of Satan. And we forgot to see it as a temptation, but we see it as a test. Rather, tempted, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Now listen to this. So then that desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. So we're lured and enticed. If you can think of fishing, you got a lure on the, on the, on the line, right? And that lure is usually uh, some type of bait that is not actually a worm, but looks like a worm. It's a plastic worm or a rubber worm, right? And it tricks the fish into thinking that he's going to get something he's actually not going to get. That is temptation. That is you're getting lured in. So Satan, even in the Garden of Eden, did God really say you can't eat of that tree? Did he really say that? And we do that all the time. Did God really say I can't do that because my friends do it? My neighbors do it. My boss does it. Who, you know, whatever. The majority, I'm going to do that. It's okay. And you get lured and all of a sudden, snap, somebody pulls the back on the rod and they got you. You're snared by your own desires. And then that turns into sin. Why is that important? Because being tempted, okay, there's a lot here this morning, being tempted is not a sin. You understand, right? Jesus was taken to the wilderness to be tempted, right? And tested without sin. So to be tempted with something is not sin in and of itself. But when you bite and you say, okay, you give in, 
It manifests. It conceives. It gives birth to that next step, which we're going to get into. Faith without works is dead. We get into when you take a thought captive, it somehow becomes your reality, and now you act on that. When you act on that, now it becomes sin manifest in the flesh. I don't know about you, but even when I have a, a thought, a negative thought that I know is not of God, I, 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 God, I'm sorry for that. I routinely do that. I captured that and gave it to God before I manifested it out. Right? Okay. God, but God so loves us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our minds. He knows He made you. That He tells us. He says that of His own will. This is in verse 18. Of His own will, He brought us forth by His word. He made you. So what Jesus tries to tell us is that even when you think evil thoughts, even when you have lust in your heart, you've already committed the act. He covered that too. But what he's trying to say is that as good as you may think you are in your behavior, you're still very capable of sinning. But back to James, the context here is this. Don't put into action that temptation and it's not a sin. So, Temptation is always, if you think of it this way, generated internally temptation, okay? So the doctor tells me uh, some bad news. That's not, a, that's not a temptation, my response. That's, that's an external factor I can't control, right? Let's say, and, I, and I've lost my job. I lose my job. Uh, some of you have lost your job. That, your response to that is not a, not a, that's not a temptation. That's a, that's a test, right? It's an external factor that you can't control. So many things that we struggle with in life come from outside, okay? And all of those interactions that we have, all of those things that go on in our lives are part of God's sovereign will. Every interaction that you have and every response that you have, God's going to look at it, take it, and he's going to use it for your benefit. Even if you make a wrong decision, he's going to turn it into something that you can use. And even when Satan tempts you, God will grab a hold of that and turn it into something good for you. Remember, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And he repeated back scripture. The devil would say one thing and Jesus would say, but God's word says this. The devil would say one thing, but... Jesus was saying, God's word says this. And then finally, Satan offered him, he took him up to the highest point of the temple and said, I will give you all this kingdom if you would just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So Jesus was being tempted without sin, right? So what does that tell you and me? When you resist a temptation, okay, find great joy in that. Folks, it's hard sometimes to resist the smallest of temptations. I get it. We all struggle with that daily, okay, some more than others. When you feel that temptation, and you know it's not God, you know you're not supposed to do that, you're not supposed to think that way, you're not supposed to act that way, and you, God, give me the power to handle this, he will. Here's the thing. When Satan gives you a temptation, it's for your failure. When God gives you a test, it's for your success. And, but God, listen to this. When you're tempted by Satan, when you're tempted by the world, when you're tempted by your own desires, 
You will never be tempted to the point where God hasn't given you the ability to rebuke it and to overcome that temptation. There will be no temptation that will ever be greater than what God has given you to rebuke it, to avoid it. Amen? How can I say that? Look at the book of Job. Even Satan has to ask for permission to tempt you. God has control. God will not allow Satan more than what he is going to, what, what God is going to give you to overcome that temptation. So there's never an excuse for a Christian to say, that's just the way I am. Mm -hmm. No, no. God has given you all the tools to overcome that temptation. That's a fact. I know as I look out on the congregation, some of you have and are struggling with some real temptations right now. Know that God has given you all the tools you need to reject that. You have a choice to make. And it may be hard. I encourage you, though, to do it. Sometimes it's hard to hold our tongues. That's especially, we're going to talk about the, the tongue. It is power one of these weeks here in James. There's a 50 different topics in James. It's a great book. When you feel that, i got to say something, just stop for a minute and say, okay, where is it coming from? My response to that situation, is it from God or is it from Satan? What's your motive for addressing it? Now, there's a time to address things and address things sternly, right? I mean, Jesus overturned the tables, right? Jesus wept. I mean, Jesus had emotions just like you and I do. There's, there's a time and place for emotions to come in, but too many times, for me, I let emotions run the show. I need to step back. Emotions are good, but don't let them make the decision. Make a decision based on facts. And not just your facts, but based it on what would God say? What would God do? That's where what would Jesus do bracelets come from? What would Jesus do? We've, we've, we've overdone that, right? We've killed that. But what would Jesus do? How would he respond to this situation? And there's a million of them out there, right? Whether it's a relationship, job, financial, emotional, whatever it may be. Political, I mean, there's all kinds of decisions out there. But I think if you really ask yourself, you know the right thing to do, you do. And here's the difference between someone who's a Christian who isn't. There are many, many people that we interact with who do not know God, have not accepted God, have rejected God, or maybe just simply don't know Him, but they make silly decisions, and you think to yourself, well, how can that person make that kind of decision when in reality, why would you expect them to make any other decision? In reality, they don't understand or don't see what you see. Believe me, congregation. When you're a born-again Christian, you see things that other people don't see. You don't realize it sometimes. And sometimes it's as simple as black and white. We call that pragmatism, pragmatic. Yes, no. I'm going to get it done. This is how I'm going to do it. The older I get, the more I get that way. Like, okay, I'm going this direction. How do, why? Because that's the direction God wants me to go. How do I know? Because 
I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. I've been going to church. Uh, I'm clear on my spirit. I don't feel right about going that direction. Occasionally, do I get it wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's some basic things, folks, that we can practice every day as we leave here today. Stop. Be kind to somebody. That's a godly thing, right? Be kind to somebody. Show kindness. Show appreciation for. Pray for your enemies. Make a decision that's not self-centered. That's a hard one. Maybe the decision you need to make isn't going to appear to benefit you right now. It benefits somebody else. Maybe that's the decision you need to go with. And, and let me tell you something. And I don't want to sound like a prosperity preacher, but I'm going to tell you, when you do that, God is going to reward you greatly. And I don't necessarily mean financially, but I mean with the sense of peace, of joy, sometimes in other physical, material ways, yes, but God, you'll have a sense that comes over and you go, you know what, I just did the right thing. There's something to be said about that. I just did the right thing. But be careful, because as soon as you have that attitude of, I did the right thing, <laughs> sin is on its way knocking on your door again, trying to get you to feel proud about yourself, right? It's a never-ending cycle, folks, okay? So, uh, Christianity is not an easy walk. It's not a vacation. It's tough. When you, those of you who are walking in Christ know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a great thing to walk in the glory of our Lord, but it's also something that is like a soldier. You have to be prepared for the battle, and it takes many, many different forms. Okay? Don't think of the devil as running around in this little red suit, Okay? The devil can be the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, the most handsome man you've ever seen, the most influential person, speaker you've ever seen or heard. Could be a little old grandma that's the sweetest thing you've ever, you just, you just, sin takes a lot of different forms. Takes a lot of different forms, okay? So lastly, I do want to tell you this. Back on verse 12, it says, uh, when we started, we're going to end. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The crown of life. When Hunter was on the stage last night, he was the king. He had a crown on. I kept thinking, the crown of life. What, is, what does that mean? Crown of life. We share in that glory with Jesus. God has granted you and me the ability to share in that glory with Jesus because he died for your sin. Do you believe that? Jesus died for your sin. Your silly sin, your silly decisions, all that silly stuff that happens, all those awful things. I mean, people can be so mean to us. People think awful things can happen. And, and even worse, even worse things that are out there that I hope never anybody ever occurs. But even in our own little simple lives here in the Midwest, we have a lot of pain that we deal with. And I want you to understand something. The crown of life is yours. And God will give you the ability to handle that test too. But don't be deceived by your own desires and be drawn in and lured into temptation to sin. Because sin ultimately leads to death. And we know that already because Jesus died for that. Before you were ever born, God loves every one of you. I can't believe he loves me, but I know he loves you. He loves you. So, so much. 
So one thing you can take from service today, just know that God loves you very, very much. Okay? Whatever you're struggling with today is not too big for our God. If you need help, let us know. We're going to have time for musicians to go ahead and come forward and begin to play the music as we do our altar call. This is an opportunity for you. If you have something you want to share, maybe a testimony, maybe a decision for Christ, maybe a decision for the church, maybe you just want us to pray for you. I know we're small, we got some families here and all, but if there's something, please feel like you can come up. I'll be up here and I'll pray for you, okay? So if you'll join with us in our, in our closing hymn here this morning, it'd be greatly appreciated. Ladies?